Welcome, everybody, to The Lawyer and the Layman, the show where we untie the laws, wins or not. <laughs> I'm starting to enjoy these. As usual, we are joined by the lovely Jennifer Stoller. Jennifer, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I, every single time we do these um, podcasts, I feel like nothing's really changed except for days just passing by with so much speed and um, thinking like it's all a blur. Do you know what I mean? I feel like we're yeah. in like lockdown day 3070. But yeah, everything's going well. And um, we obviously joined by Charles Mendelo again, the, uh, what did you call him? The, the um, mediation guru. Mediation, yeah, Buddha, the Buddha of mediation. <laughs> How are you, Charles? How are you today? Well, well, um, I'm just, you know, the only thing that the Buddha and I don't have in common is I haven't been, I, you know, with all this lockdown, I still haven't spent enough time staring at my navel. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're here with Charles today, and um, as part of our series on mediation, we'll be talking about family mediation. And family doesn't only include divorce, kids, it includes every part of, of the family dynamic. We'll be chatting about wills, we'll be chatting about kids, we'll be chatting about relationships, and yeah, whatever comes up, we'll just let it flow. So basically, um, as everyone knows, I'm obviously an ex-family law litigation attorney, um, started doing family um, advising and obviously now trying to get into mediation because that is something I'm really passionate about. And yeah, that's why I brought on Charles. And firstly, the first thing I wanted to ask you, Charles, is in terms of family law litigation, I'm sure you see the most like crazy, bizarre, out of this world things that you have to deal with. Oh, yes. Um, I must tell you, I don't know if you ever saw the classic film, The War of the Roses. No, I haven't seen, I might well, have seen it ages ago. I've heard of, oh no, I'm thinking about the actual War of the Roses. I haven't heard, yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah, you know, it's one of these films you can now download. It's called The War of the Roses. It was, uh, I think, Michael Douglas and Julia uh, Keaton. And uh, the, you know, I mean, it got to a point in that particular film where uh, he took her dachshund, uh, slaughtered the, the animal, oh cooked God. it in the oven and served it as a meal to her. Oh my Ooh. word. Hopefully you haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen that, but I've seen things that go pretty close to that. <laughs> wow. I've seen things pretty violent. Um, yeah. I've had cases of shootings. Um, I've had cases of uh, uh, throttlings. Um, wow. Cases of uh, lawyers really stoking up bitterness unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. I also need mm -hmm. to emphasize, hey, the vast majority of divorces are actually done amicably. Really? It's, when it's, you it's talk just about these mad divorces where parties are doing, you know, what I call lawfare, you know, there's warfare. And there's yeah. we partly yeah. using the courts as a, as a as a, a form of weaponry, and abusing mm -hmm. the courts and running into all kinds of uh, remedies. To uh, when they're doing that, those cases are an absolute minority. I would imagine probably uh, maybe five percent, or, or uh, but that five percent. Very surprised if it's more than five percent of those cases. 
But you know what I mean? That, that, that 5% trickles onto the children and that, that, that pain trickles onto their children. So even that 5% has the capacity to ruin so many lives. Do you know what I mean? So when well, it comes well, to like... Just to illustrate that, Jen, um, if kids see that that's how their folks resolve disputes, mm-hmm. then that's what they think is normal. Of so course, of that course. culture of high conflict and, and, and you know, bellicoseness will go down into the next generation. 100%. And sometimes so you, you are talking about something circle. that does multiply. Hmm. So let's say, for example, I'm in a, because I like to start from the beginning. I like telling a story because a lot of people are obviously in different processes in their lives. But let's say, for example, I'm living with someone and we're in a relationship and we've lived together for a long period of time. He supported me. We have a child out of wedlock and now we break up. So obviously, in terms of the law, we know that there's no duty of support for the mom, et cetera, et cetera. But for the child... By the way, that's not necessarily so. What, in terms of like um, spousal maintenance? Yeah. And I'll tell so, you so, why. And this so is, tell me. So that's what I want people to know. In this direction. And if you start reading, you know, there's a, there's a bill uh, that hasn't been passed by Parliament and there are technical reasons why that hasn't been called, called the Domestic Relationships Bill. Yeah. And the intention of the legislature is to basically, if people are in a long-term relationship, to give them the same rights as if they were in a marriage. I remember there was actually case law, I don't know if you saw it, but it was where a woman actually claimed maintenance, but not in terms of a divorce, but she claimed it in terms of a, a will. So when he passed away, she actually, instead of claiming a universal partnership, which is obviously assets, she had the capacity to claim maintenance from that estate in order to maintain her, even though they weren't married. So I saw that as a right, like the right direction. So say, for example, I'm in that situation. I don't know the law. I'm being threatened by my partner saying he's not going to give me anything or whatever. And I come to you and I say, can we please mediate on this? What is kind of the process that we would go through as two individuals that are angry at each other? There's, um, there's anger there, there's pain, there's resentment, there's all of that. And in that mediation space, how would you deal with that? Okay, let's just flesh out that story a little bit. Let's say there is a, uh, an eight-year-old child. Yeah. And let's say there's been a little bit of a climate here of him saying, of her saying, you're going to leave me high and dry and I forfeited my career. And let's say they've been in this relationship for 15 years. And let's say she's 45 years old. Yeah. And she, she says, um, you've left me high and dry. I've I had a very good career. Now I'm on my own. And let's say it's a special needs child. Mm. And he says, listen, I'll always look after the child. But you've got to go and look after yourself. And you had the benefit of uh, being very nicely supported and living well on my money while all you did is basically uh, had your nails done, socialized, uh, enjoyed your coffee with your friends, played a bit of golf. And, and yes, for the last eight years, it is true, you looked after our child. That's, let's take that as a typical uh, scenario. Yeah. Let's call her Jane. And let's call him John. Yeah. And they, they come to mediation. So 
the first thing you've got to do as a mediator is you dare not um, take sides. Mm. A mediator has to be absolutely neutral. And, uh, so the, and, and you've got to run your process because it is very easy, if you don't run your process properly, that they'll have a massive fight in the mediator's office. Yeah, and it'll be so an exposure. You have to set a tone and create a rational climate to, to manage this particular problem. So the first step you do is, uh, in a case like this, they both come in and you welcome them. And uh, you, uh, you, the, the way you do it, it's a, and it's a technique, um, you, you know, I use a flip chart, that's how most mediators do it. And you, you, you say to them, okay, um, I understand that you're both here for mediation. And they say yes. And you explain to them what mediation is. And uh, by doing that, you usually present your mediation contract and most contracts have the following provisions, that mediation is a non-adjudicative process. You're not gonna make any rulings. You're gonna be neutral, but you're gonna help them work out the deal. Yeah. And uh, the other thing you do as a mediator is you then uh, explain to them that, uh, you know, whatever is said in mediation is in absolute confidence and uh, neither of them can use it in a court of law. Um, but if documents are exchanged, whether they can be used in a court of law will depend on whether if the issue on which they went to litigation would happen, then... Uh, and, and the, the court would allow those documents, then those documents would probably be allowed, uh, even though you, they can't use mediation to escape providing the documents. Yeah, of course. That's why I think then a lot you, of people- Then, then once you explain that to them, you're doing an important thing. You're taking them out of their own mindsets and you're focusing at mediation. The, an important technique of mediation is to make the thing task orientated. So now let's get on with the task. So the first task is we need to make a checklist of what are the issues in dispute. And here you again, you see an interesting thing that the mediator does. So she will say, and my technique, and, and I think most mediators, you, you make a common agenda. So she will say something like, He's trying to throw me out in the street and leave me high and dry. And he's taking no responsibility for my welfare. Yeah. So you're, as a mediator, you say, okay, Jane, what I'm hearing you saying is that the thing that is concerning you at the moment and what you want to be, uh, to be dealt with in mediation is how, Jane, are you going to be able to manage financially. So in other words, you, you almost take these fireballs of rage and convert them by putting it on a flip chart where you write it up in, in you know, in one or two words. Um, 
you, you kind of diffuse the thing and you make it a task orientated rational position. In other words, she's coming from a place of rage and you're reframing it into a task. Okay, so we need to work out what you would need, Jane, to be able to live with dignity and to go forward with life. Do I understand you? So you're probably right on the, the flip chart, Jane's financial needs. Then he would turn around and say, yeah, that might be. And you know, I'm sure she has got genuine needs, but it's not my duty to support her. So yeah. then you put up a question, is there a duty of support? And then what you can do as a mediator, you've got to be very careful about that. You can't give legal advice, but you can give legal information. Yeah. And for example, in a case like this, you could say, but I wouldn't be too quick to say it because he'll think you on her side. Mm. So then, so, so, and that's important. So when you're doing the agenda, you just say, like, okay, so, um, from your point of view, John, you want to know what is the position and you want to mediate around this question. And I'll put there, is there a duty of support? Then you ask them this question. Do you have lawyers? Yeah. And they might say no. And uh, you, you, you ask that question. And then you say to them another question. Okay, now, are there any children? So he says, yes, we've got this child, George, who's eight years old. And Jane is using that as a weapon to uh, extort money out of me because she says that if I don't see George, if I don't pay her decent maintenance and look after her financially, then, uh, then uh, she's going to take George away from me and, and I'll never see George. Yeah. So then you say, okay, so the, one of the issues you want for me as a mediator to resolve is uh, a parenting plan for George. So Jane might say, well, he's got no rights. So then you say, you, you, uh, you, you know, the, one of the most important techniques of a mediator is if you say to Jane, yes, he's got rights, Jane will say, well, then you're on his side. So you, yeah, say, you have to be so careful. It's actually quite scary. Sometimes it's just like better to, to kind of let them go and then put points down. And then like, I think, I think being a mediator is probably one of the hardest things to do because you dealing with two individuals that are so angry, seeing the same situation from a different lens. And now you have to try to please both people with what's fair, what's, what's going to serve the child and what's going to basically serve them. Do you know what I mean? So it's not easy, eh? Mm. But there are techniques. So you get a thing like that and she says, so the one thing a, tech, a mediator will do, you never argue with clients in a mediation. You ask questions. Yeah. So you say, Jane, um, and, and you can give legal, do you guys, are you guys familiar with the Children's Act? And, and John might say, oh, yes, I've already spoken to, I've got legal advice on that. Now, two minutes ago, he said he hasn't got a lawyer. Yeah. 
But now he's got legal advice and he says, I'm on an absolutely equal footing in terms of the law. So then you say, okay, and Jane, have you, are you aware of what the Children's Act says? So she says, um, well, I thought I could get custody. I'm the mom. So you could then say as a mediator, okay, look, let me show you. And you, 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 it's always a good idea to print copies. In other words, if that comes up, you know, you, 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 or, or to have copies available, which I do, I have them ready available, so I don't have to run to the copier machine and faff around and say, okay. So here's section 18 of the Children's Act, which says both parents have full parental responsibility and rights. And so you're just giving them information and it's in black and white. So you must do it in a very unthreatening way. Um, and then you can say, okay, so it says both parents have full parental responsibilities rights. And then there's section 33, which says when there's a, when they're having difficulty in working out how it's going to be done, um, you, uh, you, you know, they either have to uh, get assistance from the family advocate or a social worker or a psychologist to, to, to do a parenting plan, or they can uh, work out a parenting plan in mediation with a suitably qualified mediator. And you then sort of, you know, you, 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 you kind of look at them and you watch the body language, and if you can see that she's okay with it, and usually she is because they, she, she, she knows a lot, you know, people pretend to be a lot more ignorant than they really are. And you kind of see that she's okay, she's on board. So then you say, okay, so should I be putting on the flip chart um, parenting plan stroke parental responsibilities and rights? So now you've got a bit of an agenda. And... Uh, and uh, you, you've, you've got that, you've kind of got, and you've also kind of they've got the message that they're not going to have long times to rant about and, and denigrating the other, but that this is a task of thing of, and then you say to them, okay, so now um, you can say to them as a mediator will do, like obviously the first thing one's got to do is one's got to look out what is going to be the best arrangement for the child. Then you turn to uh, um, one of them and you say, okay, John, uh, what do you think would be the best arrangement going forward with the child? And he might say something along the lines of, uh, well, I would like the child to spend one week with me and one week with him. With, 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 with Jane. And then you, you, you sort of look at Jane and you say, Jane, what is your view on that? And very often Jane will say, I'm okay with that. Um, but what happens if the child starts with missing me? So then if she's already saying that, so you know, you're not going to have a big problem. But if she says something more like, oh, no, I'm not interested in that. He can have alternating weekends with a child. And uh, and that's it, like every other dad has. Yeah, she's already made a decision before actually engaging. But whatever, so a mediator's got to be a hell of a good listener because often people are surprisingly more amenable than you might have thought. 
So don't assume anything. Yeah. Then you say, okay, and, and one of the most important things that a mediator does is he summarizes. Okay. So from your point of view, John, you would you think it's best for the child of having one week on, one week off. And from your point of view, Jane, you think it's best for the child uh, to have alternating weekends with the dad. Am I understanding it correctly? So in other words, part of the skill is they now agree what the dispute is. And that in itself is an agreement. Yeah. And they're agreeing on the agenda. So it's a very subtle way of um, refocusing people out of their rage into uh, an externalize. And you write this in, in a very brief summary, like one or two words on a flip chart. These are the issues we've got to deal with in mediation. We all agree that we've got to do the best thing for the child. But the question is, um, the, Jane has got one understanding of what's best and John has another understanding. And you summarize it and they agree that you, um, you, you summarize it and you've got an agenda. Now, inevitably, whenever there's a child dispute, a prudent mediator would then say, okay, look, what I need to do, you, you ask the question, you always ask the question, are you still living in the same house? Yeah. And they might say, look, we've been separated for three months. And then you want to know what has been the status quo up to then and whether it's been working well. Um, that'll be one story. But let's say in this particular case, they haven't separated yet. Then you, you, you ask, okay, so the, the thing is, you're both in the same house in the moment, and now it's a question of you, you're going to be splitting up. And John then says, well, she's got to be out of my house, which is registered in my name within uh, 14 at the end of the month, and I'm not prepared to negotiate that. And Jane says, and that means you're going to throw your child out in the street? And he says, no, no, the child can stay with me. You can stay with your mom. The child can go with you one week on, one week off. And the chart of the mediator is, okay, so John's view, his suggestion is this, and Jane, your view, what would you like to see, Jane? And Jane will say, well, listen, this is the child's home. This is where I brought him up. The child needs me as a mom. I should be staying in this house with the child. You don't go, you know, you don't allow this thing to accelerate and become a, a polarized thing. Then you say to them, look, um, what I think we need to do here is let's, um, I've got to obviously um, have a private meeting with each of you. Um, I'm going to need an hour with each of you um, and where I need to hear, you know, your concerns, your, you know, what you think is best. I need to hear your stories and you've got to give them an, and I'll give you an absolute undertaking that whatever you will tell me will be an absolute confidence. And I'm not going to take it across to the other unless you expressly authorize me to do so. And then you say, okay, well, who should I meet with first? 
And usually both of them want the other to meet with you first. I think it's because they want <laughs> to have the last word. So you say, yeah. okay. Um, and if that happens, you say, okay, well, um, let me meet with uh, uh, Jane first. So the yeah. question is, it doesn't really make much of a difference, but you just say, you know, let me meet with Jane first. And it's very important when you do those kind of media me meetings that you say, okay, Jane, I'll tell you what I'm going to suggest. And John. And you've got to keep eye contact with both of them. And you can't start allowing yourself to get more engaged in a conversation more with one with the other. And then you say to her, okay, so now look, what I'm going to do is let's set up a meeting. Uh, what's a good slot? And let's say both say 9am. So I say, okay, let me meet with Jane on Monday at 9 and John, let me meet with you on Tuesday at 9. Are you guys okay with that? And yes, we're okay with that. And, uh, and, and you just leave it there. A mediator must never allow these sessions to go more than two hours uh, and preferably one and a half. And Can I ask you a question, Charles? Yeah. So this is what I find the most things that I deal with. So basically like mediation, okay. So they come out of that mediation and they know what the issues are, whatever. I find that sometimes, and correct me if I'm wrong, that sometimes obviously because mediation is done properly and it needs to, obviously certain processes need to be attended to, that a lot of people, so sometimes mediation can take long. So sometimes parents won't see, or one parent won't see their kids for like seven or eight weeks because obviously they're in mediation and they're trying to come to sort of some sort of resolution. And do you ever find that people get very frustrated in mediation because of that limbo state. So now they're in mediation, they're trying to agree, but what happens when they leave? Does she go to her mom? Does she stay in the house? Does she take the kid? Does he pay her anything? So it's that limbo state that I find where people run to attorneys and they're like, okay, well, been in mediation for, let's say five weeks, we're trying to come to an agreement and it's back and forth, it's back and forth. I've spent this amount of money and I'm not getting any sort of resolution. And that's when attorneys come in and be like, well, okay, mediation's good, but now we need to make a threat that if they don't give you interim contact, we're gonna get a social worker involved and we're gonna get this involved and we're gonna get this involved. How do people like come out of mediation in a session and go, okay, well, this is what we're gonna do in the interim until we can finalize something because not allowing anything in the interim is also kind of an abuse from what like one person's always going to feel like they're not getting the most from it if that makes sense okay so let's deal with that issue the, yeah. the, it's you know the main uh, you know i'm very lucky i have this gig for the law society i've done a lot of over 20 years i've been doing teaching lawyers to be mediators yeah one of the things i always say when i'm training mediators is you've got to watch that heat gauge. When you're driving a car, you're watching the speed gauge, you're watching the heat gauge, you've got to watch the instrument panel. Yeah. And I can tell you now, taking our case of John and Jane here, you've got to have something in place within a week. Otherwise, this thing's going to blow up. Of course. And the main skill of a mediator, you know, I, 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 there are about 10 skills. But the first skill very often is you've got to be a seriously good bomb dismantler. Yeah. 
You've got to dismantle bombs. So if you're going to, so if they've seen you for the first time on a Wednesday, I would be having that first meeting. They, and here they people in the same house. You've got to pace this thing right because you've got to look where people are at and what they can handle. The second yeah. skill of a mediator is you've got to know how far you can stretch the elastic. And I'll tell you an interesting thing. I went, there's a, a top law firm that asked me to come in and teach their, a family law firm, specialized form to teach them how to do mediations. And the first thing I did is I brought a whole lot of elastics and I said to all the attorneys there, okay, guys, stretch these elastics as far as you can stretch and stop just before it snaps. And so they stopped. I said, do you think you can stretch it a little bit further? Most of them nodded. I said, stretch a little bit further. They were right. I think, do you think you can stretch it a bit further? They said, no. I said, just stretch it and see. And they stretched. Some of them did snap and some of them didn't snap. I said, that is the second skill of a mediator. The first is a, a bomb dismantler. Mm. And the second thing is, how far can you stretch that elastic? In other words, uh, you've got to make sure that people aren't going to snap in this process. So with this case of Jane and John, I would see him probably on Monday or her on Tuesday. That's how quickly I would do it. I wouldn't leave it long. And they're still in the same house. And it's in the private meetings where you, 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 there's a whole skill in how you handle those private meetings. So for example, let's say John comes to the meeting and you say to John, okay, John, what you give them that reassurance, whatever you tell me is an absolute confidence. Um, whatever you tell me is an absolute confidence and I'm not going to take it across to Jane unless you authorize me. Is there anything you would like me to know? So he will say some, let's say he comes up with a story like that. Look, I met Jane 15 years ago. Um, I was the uh, financial director of this corporate company. And uh, she was our salesperson. And she was earning 100 grand a month and a very capable woman. And I really admired that quality of hers. And, uh, you know, we fell in love and seven, and we lived together a long time. It was a happy time. Um, the house is in my name. Um, um, and, uh, uh, you know, we had a happy time together. And then, you know, our child, George, was born. And things were fine for about five years. But then I found out she was cheating on me not five years, for eight years, and then I found out she's cheating on me, and I am absolutely furious about that. Yeah. So, a, a mediator mustn't get ruffled, mustn't get involved, mustn't interfere. You know, you've heard him out. Then yeah. there's a very important question that you always ask in those private meetings. Um, and because you've listened and you've listened patiently and you've been absolutely neutral, you say to him, John, what outcome would you like to see? How would you like to see this sorted out? And you'll say something along the lines of, okay, 
um, I really think I'm as involved with this child as she is. You say, tell me about the child. And he says, look, you know, I'm now a, a sort of a senior guy. I've got a lot of time on my hands. Um, the child is particularly interested in, let's say it's a, a, a gifted child in this field of uh, um, music and sport. And the mom does the music and I'm very involved with the child's sport. He's a seriously good soccer player. And then you ask him about the child. And that's very important because how they tell you about the child tells you a hell of a lot about them as well. Yeah, of course. And uh, you'll see a type of dad who will say, look, this child has got a, he's, he's kind of a, he's a tense little guy, but he's a very uh, alert, smart guy. He's uh, actively involved in the world. Um, tell me, does he have friends and who he's friends? And you can actually find out that, the, that you'll see from this guy that he's a serious, you might see, you might see the absolute opposite. That's why mediation, you can't come with any preconceived ideas. He, he might give you a story which shows that you can actually see he's totally involved in this child. Yeah. And then you say, okay, now, and, 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 so, and so you feel the child should be living equally. So then you say, now, let me ask you, where would you like to see the child living? So he says, listen, the house is in my name. I don't mind her staying there for a period of time. Or I'm even prepared to buy a second house, which I can put in the trust, in a trust for the child. And, uh, and you know, the, ch the, the child can be between the two places. Yeah. Okay. And uh, um, now, 50% of the child, um, then you can say here, because you can't say it in front of her. Um, I don't know if you've, I'm just going to give you a couple of cases to read. And you pull out the case law. And there are cases that talk about if parties assume a duty of support to each other, even by their contract, even by their behavior, by tacit behavior, maintenance obligations can arise between them to support each other. And similarly, if there is a, uh, a uh, if there is a uh, situation of uh, parties putting their efforts for the common financial good, uh, you can talk about, they, they sometimes call it a universal partnership, but they can also call it a financial partnership in terms of this family project. And the courts are very much moving towards recognizing those relationships. And uh, because the, and, and, and I read a very interesting journal article of, of uh, quite recently, uh, it was during the lockdown, of how because the domestic violence, uh, sorry, the domestic relationships bill isn't in place yet, um, courts are very much seeing that nobody's left out in the street. Yeah. Uh, and you can say, because it's private, and because you're giving him the case law, and because you're not saying what the law is, and because you can already see he's a fairly reasonable guy. He's not being yeah. a bastard here. He's yeah. giving you his truth. You might not agree. 
he might not be he might not be very generous. There are all sorts of issues, but you 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 kind of see this is a guy you can deal with, because the guys that you can't deal with, you want to end those mediations as quickly as possible. But and, how long does mediation generally incredibly important skill of a mediator is to judge are these people you've got to be a seriously good judge of character are these people is this is mediation what's going to help these people yeah so he, he you kind of hear what he's got to say you help him with the uh thing and and you and he says yeah no no i get that but she was a brilliant salesman she can go back into sales and then you say, okay, well, how long would it take her to do that? He says, listen, within a year, she could be on her feet. And you say, would you be willing to sort of assist for, you know, to, to let this develop, you know, and give her a year to get onto her feet? And he might say yes. And often they do say yes, because they care about the child and they care about the mom. And you, all you're doing, and it's very important, a mediator Mediation goes through several stages, and this is the stage which is called the information gathering stage. You don't start making deals yet. You've heard where he's at, you've heard how he's looking at it, and you keep focusing on the underlying, you know, the, 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 if you, look, you can imagine an iceberg, on the top of the iceberg, she says, she wants to be in the house, he says, out. She says uh, uh, the child must be living with her. He says the child should be living 50-50. That's the positions on top of the iceberg. But underneath that, are, are the, you know, an iceberg is almost like a triangle. There are the needs, the interests, and the concerns. And you've, in that private meeting, you find that out. What are the needs? He wants to see that child well looked after. Uh, his interests are obviously, he doesn't want to be taken for a ride financially. Um, and he's got a concern, you know, that he might be concerned because she's, you know, she might be with a new guy, not with a new guy. And there are those hurts and those hurts have to be dealt with. But you've got an idea where he's at and you just leave it there. You don't, um, you, and, and, and it's not too urgent yet because they're still in the same house. And you'll ask, you know, you, you're getting information. Are you guys managing to keep things fairly calm? Uh, and he says, yes. So I then you have her. your private meeting with her. And uh, you say to her, okay, Jane, um, is there anything you'd like me to know? She says, yes. She says, look, I have met a guy at work. And... Scandalous. Uh, <laughs> hey? <laughs> because it's confidential. And you have to be absolutely discreet. You, you can't make out like you know. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't make out and give away anything that he's so told. You poker face. And you can't give away anything that she's, that she's telling you. And she says, look, I have met a guy at work. Um, actually, he's, uh, I, I have met a guy. Um, I'm not working, but he is the CEO of an incredible, of Amazon, of Amazon in South Africa, let's say a, a big sort of a, you know, one of those things that they've contract. And uh, he, he, you know, and, he, and one of the things he admires of me about me is my ability to sell things. Yeah. And, you know, and, 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 
and then you say, okay, what outcome would you like to see? And she will say something like, okay, well, um, um, you know, I don't mind the child spending one week on one week with dad because it helps me foster and develop that relationship. Um, so I'm okay with that. And he's actually a very good dad. But he's also got to acknowledge that I gave up years of income. The house we live in is worth five million. He's a multimillionaire. And why can't he let me have the house? And it's amazing how in private meetings you've got uh, you've got uh, people will be much more forthcoming and show a much more reasonable position than they'll show face to face. Yeah. Can I, I want to ask Christian? So now what you can see is a good mediator. You can see there could be a deal here. Well, we, what you did you want to ask him? Wrote to him oh. about her, and he hasn't said a word to you about him. Yeah, um, I, I wanted to just find out, like in that sort of in the in the sort of situation you're describing, where the lady's given up years of income and the guy became a CEO or whatever. Even in the mediation, is there a way to like, for instance, would he be able to say, "Well, I didn't ask you to quit your job." Oh, there's always kind of that. Always that. Yeah, like, so now, Yaliza, I just want to uh, uh, let me let me let me. You know, I interrupted you. Just carry on. The question you asked, are you there? Yes, I am. No, the question you asked is, what happens is that he comes with a story and she comes with a story and then they start arguing about what the story is? Mm. In other words, he says, she says, well, you wanted me to quit the job because I was there to be there for you. And he says, I never did. And that, by the way, happens all the time. And that happens to be a, a and, and I can tell you something, more often than not, when he says, I didn't ask you, and when she says, um, yeah, but that's what you wanted, both of them are probably, you know, I heard a great phrase. Um, uh, what do they say? Uh, what is that phrase? Um, he says, she says, the truth is something else, and nobody is lying. In other words, people can be, ah. very, in other words, people process things that when she says that she believes it, he say, when he says it, he believes it. And what a mediator doesn't do is get in to say who's telling the truth. You keep focusing on the deal, not the story, but the story impacts on the deal. So you say, okay, I understand that there's this uh, argument between you about you know, what your respective roles were. I get that. Um, but let's talk about putting together a deal. And so it's, it, one of the important skills is to not let those things those bonfires to get started and then burn it's them all up. Consequential, do you know what I mean? It doesn't matter if he asked her at the end of the day, she did it for those, that period of time. Do you know what I mean? Like a lot of people can say, well, I didn't ask you to do that. At the end of the day, I'm like, okay, well, we're, this is the position that we were dealing with. You didn't work for 15 years. You raised a child. You did X, Y, and Z. 
doesn't matter that person asked you to do it. At the end of the day, it's, it's done. Do you know what I mean? Like that's the pass. No, so now as a mediator, the way yeah. you would put it is you say, okay, so what I understand Jane, Jane, Jane is saying is, look, she spent, and you keep, and you don't, oh, you say what I hear Jane saying, what I hear John saying, so that you keep yourself, you, what I'm hearing Jane saying is that she, um, and then you, you pretty much the way you said it, Jen, and you said it pretty well, and what I'm saying John says, but let's talk about the road forward. But before you bring them back into the next meeting, you've already seen that they're not that far apart. You already see yeah. that they're not that far apart. And the main thing where they're not far apart is in this particular example I gave. And, and you see, what is mostly interesting about mediation, and I can tell you this is an experienced mediator, I gave you a very easy kind of a situation. But you'll be surprised how people aren't that far apart. Yeah. And that yeah. is what people don't know. And that is the magic of mediation. So when you come back into the next session, you're not going to start getting into who's owning houses. But can I ask you a question, Charles? This is, and for me, it's like, so let's say, for example, now you have a mediation where you're dealing with the contact of a child, okay? And the dad, let's say, hasn't seen the child for several weeks, and now they've agreed to mediation. And the mother is still withholding contact during mediation. And let's say mediation is taking like, four weeks already that's already four weeks no, no, that are you don't, you don't allow that to happen as a mediator you don't allow that at all don't allow that so as withdrawal of contact no, you don't allow that so okay. let's talk about let's leave jane and john behind and let's talk about people that are living apart i think what i've illustrated with jane and john is how people are not necessarily that far apart don't get stuck with what they're saying at the top Work out an agenda, meet them yeah. individually, and you'll see a lot of common ground that you wouldn't have been, you wouldn't have expected. And how you move that forward is, you know, we can get back to that later. But the 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 process is so important. Uh, the process being that private meeting with each, especially in children's cases. Now let's go to the case of a couple that have been living apart for three months, and she's not letting him see the child. Okay. And you go into and, a meeting. And let's because say, can I say that's the problem. So some attorneys will say, because I've been in that position, like obviously when I was junior, you get taught of, of how to do things. And when you're when you're a mother and you're being told by an attorney, don't let and a lot of attorneys do this. I didn't do it, but a lot of attorneys do, don't let him see the child because it'll show that uh, you actually don't mind him seeing the child and now you're in mediation and now you guys are trying to come to some sort of resolution for him to see the kid. But four weeks in a child's life of not seeing a parent is like months. Do you okay, know what I mean? Well, let's take another couple, Andy and Alison. Mm. And let's, once again, an eight-year-old child. And uh, um, you have your private meeting with Alison. And you say, Alison, look. I understand you've got uh, concerns with, uh, uh, you know, Andy's contact with uh, your little boy, George. Tell me about it. What do I need to know? So she says, look, 
the problem is that Andy, uh, and this is the reason why a relationship broke out, is an absolute addict to crack. And he gets into an absolute short fuse and uh, he loses it. And uh, he's and when he's not doing crack, he's doing dacha. And there's no way that he can kind of uh, be responsible in terms of looking at, after that child. And that is why I left him. And by the way, when I left him, he said, if you don't let me see my child, I will shoot you. And he has got a gun but he's never been violent. Yeah. So then you say, uh, Alison, what would you like to see happening? Well, if he would only go for rehab, but until he goes for rehab, he just can't see this child. So then you ask the next question, what's, he, what's his relation to ship like with a child well i must tell you he adores the child and before he had this problem he was fantastic and even now you know uh you know until we separated um he he's a good soccer player and they and him and george play soccer in the yard and george does adore him and you say to her, um, um, okay, is George missing the dad? And she'll say, I must be honest, he is. Mm -hmm. So then you say, look, let me ask you this. Would you be amenable that he visits the child on a regular basis, possibly not, and, and until we work out the whole deal, because you can't keep a child away from a dad, uh, would you be amenable to uh, at least letting him having a properly supervised contact that he's with a child, you know, let's say two or three afternoons and, and sort of half a day and a week? Not. I'm not giving any contact until we sign this parenting plan. Not at all. You so can't. Say she says that. Okay, tell me why. What well, would the problem be? And you so mustn't put it in a way of putting on the spot. Hear yeah. her out. And let's almost like Jen, we can role play it. Yeah. You, so let's pretend you, Alison. Alison, what would your problem be there? So for me, I don't feel like my child, and that's the thing, a lot of people be like, my child. They always say my, like child. my child. Is, yeah, always say my child. Um, I don't feel that my child is safe with him. Um, the last time I left my child with him, he fell off the jungle gym and we had to rush him to hospital. He's not responsible. And I'm just not willing to take that risk until we can both come to an agreement because I also, I've also been advised by an attorney that if I give contact now, it shows bad of me if we had to go to court. Okay, so let's go. Um, so Alison, who's your attorney? And let's say Joe Bloggs. Joe Bloggs. <laughs> well, so she says, Joe Bloggs is my attorney. And let's say you've never heard of Joe Bloggs. Well, yeah. let's say you have heard of Joe Bloggs and you say, oh my God, 
<laughs> Whatever you've heard, do not take that advice. <laughs> no, no. And so, so you say, okay, now, let me ask you this, Alison. Let's go step by step. You've mentioned concerns, and, you know, obviously, if what you're telling me is correct, and I've no reason to, to doubt what you're saying, I haven't met with you, but um, your concern is that if the child's in his care, the child would be neglected. Yes. Let's say you with, do you have a nanny? Oh, yeah, our nanny Rebecca's been with me since the old child's life. Let's say when the child goes for, say, two hours in an afternoon to soccer with dad or whatever, that the nanny comes with. And let's say the contact with the child on a on a weekend is that he takes the child and maybe an you know and she says oh by the way i've got an older daughter of 18 who's got a good relationship so you and your daughter aggie uh, sorry him and your daughter aggie go with with george and they go to a movie on a, on a on a saturday afternoon and maybe a lunch together until we get a parenting plan in place would that work for you so then she'll say probably she'll say yes but she'll say but my problem is joe says i must be very careful about this so then you so say what, so what if she says yes in that thing right and this is the one thing that, and i'm really asking this because this is what i would deal with in in my practice is that so she says yes or whatever now they leave mediation and there's no set guidelines on what's going to happen in the interim so she says yes or whatever he messages her the next day and says hi can i come with rebecca and the whole crew to fetch or whatever and she's like Does doesn't reply. She just no, so doesn't reply. Anybody, I'll tell you something. No, good question. You've got to move very slowly. When I say slowly, not in terms of dragging anything out. You've got to be fast here. Mm. But let's say she says yes. Um, so you say, so let, you've got to be very specific. So let's say we draw up a timetable that on Monday it'll be this hour. On Wednesday, it'll be this hour, and on the weekend, it'll be this hour. Would you be amenable to me taking the following across to him? One, there's this concern about drugs. Mm -hmm. Two, pending that concern being addressed, it can be, uh, you know, just so that the child is safe. You, you don't want to start using provocative words like supervised contact, but, you know, your daughter will accompany him. And three, He's got to go and deal with his problem, and I can recommend, and there's certain, um, you, you, let me put it to this way, anybody who's a professional in this field has to have a very good network of experts. And I, I have a network of one or two people who are absolute drug specialists in counseling, mm. diagnosing, advising, and containing. And uh, would you be willing to me to say that, look, um, that intervention will be there. I suggest that that intervention be put in place, that that assessment, there be an assessment in terms of the substance story, that in the meantime, it will be, uh, with her, you could say a supervised situation where the child is with someone safe, um, either the nanny, either an older sibling, or even yourself, or uh, a social worker, sometimes because a social worker can observe things, 
and uh, this will be That's the. That's what thing. I'm saying. You need to get and you've got to, and you've got to pin it down, eh? You've got to pin it down. So this will be the arrangement for week one, and then by week two we'll have the drug expert involved, etc. Would you be willing for me to take that across? And let's say she says yes. But I don't know what my attorney's going to say. Yes, that's the problem. That's the right. problem, I think. So then what you do is, would you like it, Jane? Oh, now we're talking about Alison. Alison, would you like <laughs> it if your attorney Joe and I and you have a meeting so that we can discuss this? Yeah. Or even if I call him up. And she says, please, I'd welcome that. Yeah. And uh, the chances are that because that addresses her concerns and she's okay with it, and because the attorneys permitted her to go to mediation, chances are he'll come on board with that as well. And there's a whole skill in handling attorneys that, that there's still going to be a hell of a lot of work for him to do, but it's deal-making work rather than uh, things. And most attorneys are decent human beings. They might, they might not have the skills. They might have attitudes. They might, but most attorneys, and, and there are some really dreadful characters. But by and large, they're decent human beings. And if he's mediation friendly, chances are you, you could address that. And that's a very common one, the, the one of, of if there's a substance issue. Yeah. I think it's just dealing with people in different, and that's why for me, whenever people ask me, like, how do you do family law and how do you do this? I was like, when you do family law, you're basically exposed to absolutely everything, every type of person, every type of relationship, every type of pain, that kind of stuff. And I know in the, in the family dynamics, so for me in relationships, and I think a lot of people don't understand that mediation can be applied to basically any sort of situation where people are willing to get into a room with a mediator and, and give them that opportunity. So as we were saying in the beginning of the situation, it could be kids, it could be relationships, it could be divorce, it could be commercial, it could be wills, it could be anything under the sun that people can come to some sort of resolution. And I think why, like I'm a firm believer in mediation, but I'm also a firm believer in mediation having a place and also other certain things having a place. So let's say we're talking about now with the contact with the kid. And she, she says, yes, I'm happy to engage with the attorney, but then the attorney's not available and blah, blah, blah. At some stage, if those two people cannot communicate, they're going to, or even agree on certain terms in mediation, they're going to have to get to a point that they either have like a parenting coordinator, because when you do your mediation with both of them, the only time that you'll have access to information is at the next session or if you get markups on a document or whatever. They can't, if she signed an agreement that's in the interim and he goes to pick up the child and she's like, well, no, I'm not giving you the child. It's so hard. Like, what can he do? So he's obviously well, going to call in. Let me just pick up on that. First of all, let's say you get a, a, some sort of a proposal from her and, and, and you've worked it out there. Then you say, okay, so can I call the meeting together so that we can, because now you can bring them to the next meeting. And, and as I said, if there's something that's dragging out, you don't let it drag out and you can bring this closer. So you could have this all within a matter of 10 days. 
that you both, they both together in a meeting again, and you work out the deal with them, both of them, and you get them to sign there and then, and you've handled the attorney. Now, yeah. that, that, is, that is what a mediator can often do. But very often, a mediator can't do that. Let's take another type of a situation. We take a situation where quite frankly, mediation isn't the right thing. Yeah. There might be a history of violence. There might be, uh, let's say, uh, she says, this is a common one. She says, well, the child doesn't want to see dad. Yeah. The child is absolutely disgusted with dad because dad's not paying me a cent of maintenance. And, and that <laughs> until such time as dad pays you maintenance, mom, I don't want to see dad. <laughs> so now you've got, now you've got what's a clear case of parental alienation. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and, and then when you have your meeting with dad, he says oh, that she's turning the child against me. And then you say to dad, well, are you paying maintenance? He says, no ways. I'm not going <laughs> to give her a cent of maintenance until such time as that child starts loving me. <laughs> yeah. And then you say to her, well, <laughs> well, now you get to a new planet, eh? Yeah. Get to, and, and that is very important. I don't think you're going to sort that one out in a mediation. Yeah. There are too many irrational forces going. But what you might get is you use the word a parental coordinator. Is he's got a concern that the child has been turned, turned against him. Uh, she's got a concern that he's not paying maintenance. And uh, someone can kind of sort of, uh, uh, you know, usually it's a social worker or a psychologist, and sometimes it's a, a legal person who kind of interviews everybody and, and sort of phases in something and, and monitors it and helps them work out a solution. Um, but they're actually on the spot with home visits and they can see what's going on and they can assess the child to see, you know, where's this child at and, and you know, if is mom doing this and, and she might well be doing it and very often, even if she's not doing it deliberately, there's always a lot of spillover. The children do tend to hear a little bit too much. They can manage it and make suggestions. It sometimes works and it sometimes is a good tool. It sometimes doesn't work. And yeah. the other option is a new thing that's come out, which is absolutely brilliant, called collaborative divorce or collaborative law, where the parties each get attorneys and the attorneys sign a contract that they're not going to litigate, they're hired purely to settle the case. And you create a multidisciplinary team. And interestingly enough, the Children's Act says things have to be done in a multidisciplinary way. And you bring on a health professional who will guide it and advise it and steer it and deal That's with their concerns. Yeah. And I must tell you, about a year ago, I had a very high conflict case 
and uh, uh, we we used a parental coordination model, and it worked exceptionally well. Mm. So you can sometimes, if you can't get an agreement on an outcome, you can get an agreement on a process, or you could get an agreement that look, you can't agree. There's too much. You're saying uh, financial abuse and other abuse. You're saying uh, you're saying uh, alienation. Uh, she says that, well, you know, if a child sees a dad hitting a mom, the child's not going to like the mom too much. But you say she's turning the child against you, but whatever. Shouldn't we get experts to investigate this and make recommendations? And so there's that. Then there's an also an interesting product that's also out there. It's, uh, um, I'm, I'm not sure what they call themselves now, but it's a lady but where they have a, a grid and they do, they fill in a question, it's all computerized and they kind of interview everybody. And it's amazing what common ground comes out by a very respected psychologist and social worker who runs. So there are, um, um, there are different, sometimes if you can get a, an agreement on a process, if you can't get an agreement on an outcome, or sometimes yeah. you get them to agree that, listen, we've got to go to court, but the court's not going to hear this until these boxes have been ticked and these investigations have been dealt with. So a mediator has got to be a very good diagnostician to see, well, is this a case where these people can do a deal? What deal can we make? What kind of containment can it be? And sometimes a mediator has to have the, the skill and the integrity to say, look, guys, this isn't a case for mediation. This is a case for something else. Yeah. So for me in family law, and like, I know that we've, I think we've been going on for quite a while. Like I think for family law in order to wrap it up, when it comes to those spaces, I do, I like when people are listening to this, I want them to know that any kind of situation that you're facing in terms of that family dynamic, it is capable of mediation. Well, like it might not be when you're obviously there and you can, you can see it, but what would you say to people for them to say like three things before they consider whether mediation would be good for them? What, what should they consider in a family law aspect? The first thing is I believe anybody going through a divorcing process where there's any kind of, uh, they should, people should have therapists. You can call it a life coach. If you don't want to call it therapist, it's not a sign of any kind of, uh, um, it's not a, a sign of any kind of uh, uh, pathology or mental illness. People need to be supported and guided in high conflict situations so that you can, you know, you can balance out and think through the issues that have to be discussed and have a place where you can talk it out so you're not in a local. Uh, so the first thing is you've got to get yourself the support system of a therapist. The yeah. second thing is your choice of an attorney. And, uh, you, you know, you'll always do better with a specialized family law practitioner because this is a very specialized game and an attorney who's what I call mediation friendly, who's yeah. committed and signs a code of conduct uh, to deal with things in the least conflictual way and get advice 
about that. The third thing I suggest is watch two movies. Watch uh, The War of the Roses and watch another movie which, is on, which has been produced by Netflix, which, is just, which has come out and which is seriously good. And that movie is called uh, The Divorce Story, where you can see how lawyers can actually mess things up for you. Yeah. Then you get a perspective yeah. of that. So I certainly get that. Get the right lawyer, get the right therapist, and even have one or two sessions with a mediator. Um, it might work because a good mediator can also help the two attorneys work out a trajectory of a possible way forward and the um, and make sure that you've got the professional resources that you need. And also um, the fourth bit of information, uh, sorry, the third bit of advice I would be giving, well, I've given three pieces now. And the fourth bit of advice I'd be given is uh, um, try and uh, um, get informed and do your own research so that you become empowered because people that are scared are disempowered and you're going to have to have a game plan looking for life forward and see a consultant who can help you work out a financial plan bring on a financial person to assist you as well yeah i agree in other words access the profession the multidisciplined plenary professional team that you require Amazing. Thank you so much, Charles. I really, I really, really think that uh, I hope that this helps a lot of people to know that there are different ways in with dealing with conflicts where you do build a tribe and you do, do build people around you that actually want you to, to pave a path, obviously, of happiness, fulfillment and, and not end it in destruction. And yeah, I thank you so much for this, for this podcast. Yo, do you have any questions? Yeah, no, it was quite a, like, detailed sort of thing to, of, like, how to go about, like, resolving your conflicts. Um, because, I mean, especially in family law kind of situations, I think often, like we said, it, like you guys said at the beginning, um, it's very easy for this to, like, spill onto the child, which then spills onto their children and so on and so forth. Um, so I think these are very useful tools that we've been given to have healthier relationships, really. 100%. And yeah, as I said, um, Charles and I are in the process of working after we've done all of these uh, mediation podcasts. We will be putting out an ebook that can facilitate people and that can help people and people can at least have something that is palpable to go through and refer to if they ever do find themselves in the situation. And yeah, thanks so much guys for this podcast. And I hope if anyone has any questions or if anyone is considering mediation or is considering any advice that you contact me or Charles and we will definitely make it a priority to be there for you, empower you, educate you and make sure that you get through whatever you're going through in the best possible manner. Thank you. And I just want to wind up by making a very important point, And that is the vast majority of divorces are, set, are settled amicably without the kind of conflict that we're talking about. Today, we've been yeah. talking about pretty high conflict type cases, but the vast majority, the normal way is not with this kind of conflict. 
yeah, 100%. And yeah. thank you so much, Charles. And yeah, as we said, this is Lawyer Malayman, episode two of our mediation series. And thank you so much. Thank you.